All right. Well, this is where is the most uncomfortable part for me, which is I transitioned from Joe Batanz into Show Batanz. <laughs> yeah. So Wait, tell me when it started, so that I. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, you, oh, you'll know. You'll know once it becomes Show Batanz. <clears throat> All right. It's going to be a different voice. Hey. Welcome, yeah, yeah it, it is. A, it is a little bit of a different voice. <laughs> it is like hey. hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Keep smiling. <laughs> Keep shining. Can always count on me for sure. That's what friends are for in good times and bad times. I'll be on your side forevermore. That's what friends are for. Hey everyone, we are here. We still don't have a theme song yet, but uh, I am joined by my very good friend Chris. As you guys know, we're doing a series called uh, "Friend of the Show." We talk hello. to hello, where we talk to people who know me, people who come up on the shows, but no one ever hears from. We learn a little bit more about them. Yeah, but what you don't know is that you're on an episode of my show, "Hello Joe, What Do You Know," which is <laughs> a series of interviews. <laughs> With you. Yeah. Well, that seems to be what our friendship has been. But, uh, you know, the way we always start this, and this is actually going to be a weird one because, you know, with with generally everybody, the way two people first encounter someone, they both have the same memory. But this is a different one. But we'll start with you because this is mostly about you. This is going to be – this is a Rashomon. Yeah, it is. (laughs) We're going to have different – no one gets that reference. Okay. It's a Kurosawa, fi- Kurosawa film where it, it well, we everyone knows the format, right? Where it's different people's points of view on the same. Different event. people's points of view and you view things differently each time. Yeah. Uh, um, yes. But what is, I don't think I've ever asked this because I think I've told you about my first encounter with you. But what is your memory of your first encounter with me? You appear in a puff of smoke. Well, that's generally how I always appear, but yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, like in a magical puff of smoke. Yeah, yeah. Lightning, thunder. Um, I I wonder if it was it um, – well, this is sad because I don't remember exactly no, how fine. it's always been in my life. Um, yeah. So I can't remember the, the, the first moment. Uh, of course, it's via Mercedes, yeah. your old friend, yeah. my wife, my yeah. old wife. Um, <laughs> You're so in trouble right now. I hope you didn't might, might, I don't know. Would it have been at uh, Mercedes' mom's birthday? Were you there? Were you in, Were you currently in good odor at that time? Yeah. Um, with uh, the, the Martinez family? And it's so funny. My parents were watching. By the way, this conversation will never stay on one topic, but my parents are watching this show called, do you know the show Father Brown is a British show? Uh, I know that it, it's based on stories written by G.K. Chesterton, who went to my old uh, boarding school oh, in really? London. Mm-hmm. Yes, but I uh, haven't seen the show. And uh, they were watching. They loved the show, and they were watching an episode. And um, they were there was a murder. It turns out at, at, a, at, a, at a boarding school, believe it or not. And uh-huh. um, they were they were blaming the gardener, but it was actually the headmaster who had done it and blamed the gardener. I'm like. I think I want to make a series of shows where uh, of books where I'm the gardener at a rich family's house, and anything that goes wrong, you they just blame for it, and then I have to solve my own crime about why I didn't do it. And also, it should be patently obvious who did it, 
and like still no right. one believes they just think I did it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna start the, that series. The crimes of, of Jorge. <laughs> yeah, the crimes of Jorge. <laughs> 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 the interminable trials of Jorge Munoz. So um <clears throat> anyway, uh, that's fine. That's fine. I have friends who are like <clears throat> it just feels like I've always known them. But the, there's no there's no initial earlier memory or anything? <clears throat> um well, I mean, my, my memory is always of, of the stories and the mm-hmm. tangent and the uh, Joe and uh, Mercedes related stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just like I've always been there. I get, I know you know this story, but I don't think the, 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 the people, uh-huh. the, the hoi polloi. La gente. Yeah, la gente know this story, uh, which is, it's, you know, it's 20 years ago. Uh, it is. Uh, the Charleston is all the rage. <laughs> Woodrow Wilson is president. <laughs> uh, a young man named uh, I couldn't think of anything that, but anyway, it's it's twenty years ago, and uh, it's about to be New Year's Eve turning into it's New Year's Eve ninety nine going to two thousand. Big deal. Everyone's really excited and worried mm. about computers. <clears throat> and uh, Mercedes, Chris's wife, twenty years ago was working for a family as a nanny. And Helen and Tom are the name of the parents. And for I, I can't remember if this was a surprise or not, but they bought her boyfriend at the time, Peter, a ticket to join Mercedes and her family who were in Miami for the New Year. Okay, and, <laughs> and time, I said that <laughs> kind of yeah. <laughs> and, and at the time, sorry. at the time, I lived in Newport Beach, and Peter was flying out of John Wayne Airport, and so he called me and said, "Can I spend the?" It was an early flight. He's like, can I crash at your place and you take me to the airport? And I was like, no problem. <clears throat> so when he gets there, he's like, let's go rent a movie. So we go to Blockbuster for the young people. There was a video rental store called Blockbuster. And Peter was quite the film buff. Okay. He was, he was a, you know, an emerging filmmaker and he was quite the film buff. So he knew all the new movies and whatnot. And we're at the Blockbuster. And he goes, oh, this movie I heard is so good. And it was Chuck and Buck. <laughs> and I, we went back to my place and we watched Chuck and Buck. And I, don't, I always distinctly remember that because I remember thinking, what a, what a bizarre movie! Like at the at the time, I wasn't exposed as much, and I, and I, yeah. I never knew that weird bit of, uh, you know, marginalia about Chuck and Buck and Mercedes and Peter, uh, who I, I've never met actually. Uh, her, I think her you would like him in a comic friend. way. Uh huh. Um. Wow, that's bizarre because Chuck and Buck is a very, very strange movie. So yes, so like I, you know, twenty but years I, ago, I think it, yeah. we should clarify that I was in the movie Chuck and Buck. You're in the movie Chuck and Buck in a very, um, I think I think a lot of gay people have seen it. But how would what would be the TV guide listing? What would be the log line for Chuck and Buck? People don't know what it is. <clears throat> Oof, it would be kind of um, uh, uh, genre busting stalker story about two childhood friends. Who meet again under mysterious auspices, something like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's one of these things where, but and they're in, and this is well done by the director. Who's the director of this movie? Miguel Arteta. Where even from the beginning, because I had no idea what this movie was. I just knew a movie called Chuck and Buck, and there's a picture of you two eating popcorn in a movie theater or something like that, right? Is that it? Kind mm-hmm. of the posters. Yeah, and, that's right. And uh, or, or, or uh, Mike White alone yeah. eating eating uh, popcorn. And there, just from the the title sequence, it's just a creepy. You there's a there's a there's a 
it's almost like you can feel the weight of the creepiness from the beginning before you even know what this movie's about. <laughs> and what's I was thinking about this on my way to get my iced coffee from McDonald's. The only iced coffee that doesn't make me sick is um, great how Slogan. I went. Yeah, it's, I was. I'm trying to sell it to them actually, and uh, they uh, te- uh, ten years ago now. I realized I went to the ten year anniversary of it at the the now defunct. What was that? that Simon movie, movie theater. Well, the Simon movie theater is still there, but the but the organization that had it is gone because of a Me uh. Too thing. I think it was an early Me Too uh, thing. Uh, what was that thing called? It wasn't Cinespia because that's still around. It was Cine- called- right. It was Cinesite, maybe. That sounds maybe right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they did a ten year anniversary. But was I at that thing? Did yeah, I yeah, yeah, there? yeah. That's you, why I went. I okay. It was the whole cast. It was Lupe right. was still around. Mike, you, and uh, we were there anyway. Um, now that's been ten. So years let, let me tell you a little of the backstory to Chuck and Buck, okay? Yeah. Which is re- which uh, for the audience, and I don't think many people have seen it, but it, it is a stalker uh, sort of drama comedy. Very weird film. Mm-hmm. Um, a sort of uh, kind of man-child <laughs> pursues the former object of his affections, who denies that they ever had anything weird go on between them when they were kids. But you sort of realize eventually that something uh, happened. Um, and uh, I remember Miguel, the director, uh, left me a message. This is in the days when people left voicemail messages. And um, said, I'm sending you and your brother a script because there are two characters who need to look very much alike. So uh, maybe you guys would like to be in it because uh, he wanted to cast non-actors. And I, I sent him back a message saying, as long as there's no anal sex, I'm in. Um, and then, <laughs> and then, then I, read the, I read through the script, having already accepted the role sight unseen because I wanted to be in a movie. And I realized, in fact, there was, although not on screen, there was definitely something going on. <laughs> Oh, wait a minute, you! I can't. Talk, I have to talk about you off screen. I didn't. I never thought about. It. Here's the other weird thing too is, and I've always thought this. I don't think you and your brother Paul look. I mean, I can tell you we guys look, are related, but yeah, I wouldn't we, go we, like there's a they, they look alike. <clears throat> well, I mean, maybe that gag doesn't work out. But the idea is that at some point, when when Mike White's character is casting a a kind of roman a yeah. clef mm-hmm. uh, version <clears throat> of a play of his life. He casts an actor who just happens to look like me, but he's yeah. the worst actor in the world. Played by my brother, who's <laughs> very, very funny in the movie. Um, so yeah, there we are. Yeah. So and so also in the going in from 1999 to the year 2000. Uh, speaking of auspicious circumstances, I'm with your now wife's current boyfriend or the then boyfriend watching you on screen. Wait, is that current boyfriend? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to tell uh, you this uh, when you're not looking. Locked away in your house, uh, Peter comes in. Which, by the way, friend of the show, Adam, oh, he would be a good one to have on the show. I didn't think about it. Adam De La Pena mm-hmm. has dubbed me the king of the useless impression. Uh, <laughs> and I do a, an amazing Peter. Even though you've never met him, Chris, I have exciting news for you. I have for you Peter Smith. Hey, uh, you know, uh, Everything's so just so uh, wait. Every I, Peter knows how to talk. Uh, everything Joe said is true. Uh, yeah. And uh, uh, he would take these super long pauses where you almost wanted to jump in to finish the sentence. We'd be like, uh, 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 Peter, you want to go to dinner? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think that's pretty cool. I, I like I like a long pause. Well, I remember one time I it, again just to show you how things have changed. In the nineties, it wasn't uncommon to drop by people's homes unannounced. 
you know, in the days before mm-hmm. cell phones when, you know, that could be a thing. Now people are, why did you call? Mm-hmm. But I remember I would happen to be in the na- neighborhood where they live. So I dropped by their house, <clears throat> their apartment. And Mercedes wasn't there, but Chris, uh, Peter had taken a long time to show up to the door. And when he showed up, he was like in a, in a bathrobe and he answered the door. He's like, Oh, hey, Joe. And he, I was like, Hey, he's like, Sorry, I was taking a bubble bath. And <laughs> I great. found out from Mercedes that Peter often took bubble baths. That was sort of his thing. He took bubble baths. And I thought that was so well, strange. Self care. Yeah, no, you got to do self care. But back to me and you. Okay, so then the first time I remember meeting you was, and I think we were just talking about this with Mercedes, was a. Either a birthday party or going away party. I can't remember what it was. At a Moroccan mm-hmm. restaurant, was it a Moroccan place? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Um, and one of uh, Mercedes' uh, lady admirers was wearing a white suit that made her look like Samuel Clemens, <laughs> aka Mark Twain. Yeah, as so I was like, only you would go with the Samuel Clemens thing. But um, uh, I remember Teresa and Mercedes' then roommate brought mm-hmm. this. Fucking probably one of the hottest guys. I was with Jonathan. I remember uh, mm-hmm. Jonathan came with, and was he was he an Australian? He was an Australian who was just visiting here. He was in here on holiday, mm-hmm. and he was a, at the time a children's show host, and uh, he hosted a children's mm-hmm. show. And uh, just so the whole time, I don't even think I talked to you that much. I remember, I remember, I just remember Mercedes' new guy was there, but I, Jonathan and I were just so smitten with this Australian cute guy. That was there that I think we spent most of the time talking to him. Yeah. But I think actually, I don't think I met this you until is, I was leaving. Yeah. Of, uh, you know, it, if we had a picture of him, we could talk about him. Um, but it reminds me of our, our NBA gay simulcast, which is, we, we still haven't done. I'm telling you, I was just talking to someone. I don't know if I told you this. I was talking to someone who works tangentially in that field. And they mm-hmm. were actually telling me. This might become a real thing that <clears throat> I think the end. Well, let me explain to everybody what we're talking about. Chris and I have an idea where, and I, God, I'm telling you, it sounds like it's a dumb, jokey idea. I think the NBA and the NFL and all these other teams are missing out. If you did a play by play that was specific to gay people and women, like the Bravo of play-by-play, it would crush and bring more people to the game. But let me tell you what I'm saying. So a friend of mine who works tangentially in this field was telling mm-hmm. me, I can't remember which two sports it was. I know the NBA is one of them. It might be the NFL that their TV uh, licensing deals are coming up for renewal. Mm-hmm. And that one of the sticking points is now, what well, not sticking points, I'm sorry, one of the interesting aspects is since since those now that those uh, licensing deals are coming up, beef, it's a new world. And mm-hmm. Netflix and Amazon are now major players. Quibi, I hear. Mm. <laughs> like a weird show. This is a joke. <laughs> Quibi is like a play. <laughs> uh. Uh, anyway, uh, Netflix and Amazon and Apple are now players with money in this field who right. might, to boost their own thing, make a thing, which by doing what they would do is then open it up to – now other people could um, do play-by-play instead of it just being, you know, Niche. Fox holds the, right. the the monopoly on it. I, I don't. I don't think Logo is going to make a bigger offer than CBS Sports. Are they though? Are they though? But, 
Oh, here's a commercial break uh, as Paolo tries to ask, what do you, what would you like, Paolo? I'm on my Nintendo Switch. Your Nintendo Switch. Uh, I think it's over there. Mm-hmm. Bring it over here and we'll get it going. Sorry. No, it's all right. I have my own Nintendo Switch. What games does Paolo play on Nintendo Switch? Paolo. Uh, Minecraft Dungeons and. My, Minecraft Dungeons and. Mario and Mario, but he can't play anything else. Yeah, I have uh, Super Smash Brothers that I'm playing right now, and some Mario game, and uh, Animal Crossing. But you know, interesting. Uh, my boyfriend Aiden has a friend. Ooh. Ooh. My boyfriend Aiden has a friend because he now lives in Seattle. You know, thanks mm-hmm. to coronavirus, and uh, has a friend who his profession. We often talk about this. He's a professional Minecraft player for Microsoft. Is that who makes it? Mm. Like, yeah, Microsoft, Microsoft owns Mojang. Yeah, okay. Or, or owns the rights to Minecraft. He, but, um, and he, he has to like just constantly all day he builds Minecraft things. And he's a professional Minecraft player for Microsoft. And be, a, be careful what you wish for type of situation. That's what we were talking about is whenever I bitch about doing this. Mm-hmm. Even this morning, morning, Aiden was asking, oh, what'd you do last night? And I said, um, I had to watch... The new Dragula special and Drag Race Holland, <laughs> and and I'm watching it, and that's work, and that's work, yes. and I'm like, I would rather be doing other things, and I'm like, and yeah, I, no, I, some I, days I'm like, uh, yeah, what are you doing? I think fucking Pinocchio, <laughs> fucking wooden kid. Are you still on Pinocchio? <laughs> yes, Pinocchio will never let me go. I think you might, you might, or will I let it go? Because it's such a wonderful project. <laughs> I can cut it out. I probably will. But um, but no, but it reminds me of the now you now you probably can relate to the author. What was his name? Uh, Colodi, Carlo yeah. Colodi. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's like, die. fuck this, I'm killing him. <laughs> like I'm done. Yeah. Hang him. <laughs> like hang him from the tree. I, I no, like, it's true. And they're like, oh no, we love it, the wooden boy. <laughs> <laughs> but I like he's writing a story for children, and he's like, I'm done with it. Yeah. Let me hang him, and he's dead. You know. Yep. But I did read Good the original part. story, and I will say he's really annoying. Uh, in the original, uh, he yes, he's a terrible person, Pinocchio. You know, but, but there was a point to it, right? Mm-hmm. Which was that Claudia was saying, "Okay, we've got this new country called Italy, which because it was like an 1870." Like, mm-hmm. I didn't Italy know this. Uh huh. Unified, and uh, we need a new type of Italian, and so we need people who are going to work hard and listen to the rules and be good people. Uh, and uh, so I'm going to write a, a fable about um, a basically shitty little kid who's going to turn into a donkey if he doesn't straighten up. <clears throat> well, you know, um, have you watched the, it was the, because uh, one, actually, I really love this animation, the uh, the Italian animated version from the 70s, maybe 60s? I find that many um, lower budget versions are absolutely terrifying because they can't seem to get the kid right. With, uh, and, and, and like, there's this the weird wooden faced kind of um, uh, abomination that you're watching. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Oh, so this one, they actually have an American version that I have on, like, Vimeo. I found it on Vimeo. Mm-hmm. It's Jeremy Irons is one of the voices. I can't remember which one. So they've dubbed it in English. But uh, this one was actually uh, sanctioned by the family. So it's very true to the original story. Mm-hmm. And mm. it's just a very – it's an animation. You know, again, actually at 20,000 when, at one of Melissa McQueen's weird birthday parties she would have there, whatever, um, she had a friend who now is, I think, the showrunner on the new Animaniacs that's coming out. But he was an mm. animator for Disney, so he and I were talking about it. 
And I think the style they use, it's a very strange looking film, is akin to that thing that um, Richard Linklater did on that mm-hmm. other anime. Rotoscopes. Yeah, where they uh, they filmed it and then they drew, not over yes. it, but they used that. And so it has like a weird sort of like look to it. This sounds kind of Ralph Bakshi-ish, but... Um... I don't know. It's an Italian movie, but uh, I'll send it to you. I don't know who Ralph Bakshi is. But then later I will find out who he is and I'll make it sound like I did know who he was. I'll go back and edit it in. Okay, edit so it. I used to do that. I used to, when there was a joke on catching up that wouldn't land, I would go find <laughs> old episodes with Mike in it where he laughed and I would cut <sighs> it out and put laughter. <laughs> I think you'd probably get away with, with uh, putting laughter in, but, but sometimes you can tell when, for instance, one of the... Um, <clears throat> One of our, the schools that uh, one of our kids goes to, the the headmaster w- will sort of get put out these videos, and occasionally he will like ADR himself or yeah. move himself when he's forgotten yeah. something. So yeah. it's hilarious because from day to day, even moment to moment, your tone of voice is different, and you can tell absolutely when someone's like, "And don't forget." To, no, know. it happens on RuPaul's Drag Race all the time, where like for whatever reason they'll have RuPaul uh, loop in something, and sh- and it'll be like, "And everyone remember." buy uh, wigs from this person. And you're like, uh, what? Where did this come from? And it sounds always super awkward. I will say they are good at it sometimes. Sometimes, and it, when you, when because sometimes I have to listen to it. Mm-hmm. I often have to listen to it, not look at it. And when you listen, you can hear it. But when you're watching yeah. it, the visuals, that is very interesting that the visuals trick yeah. you. The, the visuals can distract you from, from that kind of stuff. Yeah, but I yeah, do yeah. love bad, I love bad ADR and bad looping almost oh. as much as I love bad extras acting, which I'm always on the lookout for, which oh, is just that- wonderful. I love bad extras acting as well, too. Well, you know, you know, again, John Paul, his boyfriend, Evil John, uh, not right now, but is a professional extra. And I didn't know this, believe it or not, because sometimes I watch movies and I go, wow, those conversations the extras are having are so good. I go, are you guys really talking? He's like, no, we're not allowed to talk. He's like, we're just really good. Yeah, it's just a lot of heavy gesticulating and and, uh, every single extra conversation is an imagined, exciting conversation. And so they're silently, they're, I can't do it, it'd be horrible audio, but they're silently pretending like, I think that they're like, and then you know, it's because they're always saying something super interesting. They're always like, you know, Kathy's fucking, <laughs> yes. you know, Dennis and behind, no one knows. And I'm always like, I could, I was like, oh, that'd be kind of fun to have those fake companies. I guess, no, you can't talk. Even though- when you're on set, this is interesting, right? Because if you're a director, the director is not supposed to speak to extras. It's, it's part of the sort of contract whereby. Oh, really? Extras are extras and actors are actors. Yes. So. It's the, the the assistant director has to speak to the extras. So, but but if the director speaks to an extra, then they become a featured extra and they get kicked up in their pay rate. And oh. so extras are also always trying to angle for some more stuff to do. And also, the more emphatic an extra does something, the, the more specific an extra's um, you know action, the more likely they are to get bumped up. They're always looking for that angle, which I would too if I were an extra. Um, but oh, also, yeah, if, if the and, and a, a director could speak generally to a bunch of extras and say, and I want you guys to go, woo, woo, woo. But you can't say, and we want you to chant these words, right? Because then it becomes, then they become featured extras. Oh. If they actually oh. say anything that is intelligible, then they're day players. So there's always this kind of interesting tension going on uh, between directors, ADs, and extras about like how to, <laughs> to get the most out of the situation. I never knew that. I never, ever knew that. That is so interesting. That is something I never knew. I've never been an extra. Uh, I could see Evil John trying to um, angle that, too. Okay, so then uh, the I think then there's a lot of time that passes. Oh, because then you guys leave. You guys go to England. 
for a couple of years, right? Then you come back, and again, I'm going to tell some of my favorite stories. One of my favorite stories, you, have, you guys have just come back from mm. England. It's And um, I don't know how long you've been back, um, but – and I don't think this is the first time we've seen each other since you guys are back. But there is a birthday party for your now – this is so crazy – 13-year-old son. Mm-hmm. You're a teenager now. Um, but you're, it's a birthday party for him. I think this might have been his second or third birthday. And um, I remember we are at the house, and again, I was still in the good graces of the Martinez clan. Uh-huh. And um, Mercedes' mom and I were having a conversation, just just talking. I don't remember what. Uh-huh. And I remember uh, we were talking, and then I look over, and Mercedes, again, I, I just told the story to you, so you're hearing it again. But Mercedes is like rubbing your back and telling you something, and I, was, I just clock it and carry on. And then later on, I'm talking to Mercedes, and I say, what was that about? I could tell us about us. And she said, oh, Chris isn't used to uh, the way our families are. And so he thought you guys were fighting. <laughs> and he was uncomfortable. <laughs> and I had to explain that you guys were just having a normal conversation. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, you know, I, I'm rather restrained. Uh, well, no, I think, you know, in the intervening years, I feel that you've changed more. Oh, not that you're screaming and yelling, but that you just sort because then I've been at the, now it, it's flipped. Actually, I've been at the house when the Martinez are there or something's going on. And there's a lot of just. You know, say you're reading the newspaper on the couch in the living room, and then there's a lot <laughs> of just yelling and chaos. And you're just calmly like just like going through. <laughs> through the art section. But yeah. also I feel like we, we've reached the stage in our friendship where yeah. I can actually behave quite poorly and uh, and don't necessarily have to explain it. Like I've, I've shouted at children many times. Um, in your okay. Process. Once again, I think you're more cognizant than I am. I live in this house where I'm on a show sometimes and they're screaming at each other about where the remote control is, you know, <laughs> or like, uh, which I think you've had those arguments too, but, you yes. know, um, and so, uh, um, you know, like the other day, actually, I even told the story on a show. I was about to go to bed and I heard screaming. Like, I didn't know what because I just can't really hear that well, but not in, in just in the, in the bedroom. But I go out and I go, is everything okay? I just heard screaming. And my mom's storming in her bedroom. And she's like, no, everything is not okay. And then she storms <laughs> in the room, slams the door. And then I, I asked my dad and he goes, oh, she's mad because I had a bowl of cereal. <laughs> and I was like, uh, because right. then she, you know, my dad's diabetic, and she was worried that his blood sugar would be okay. higher than usual. Make, that makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't. I was trying to work out. Well, was it a very prized cereal? No, no, no. It was just that she was worried that because in the morning there's always some sort of alchemy that goes on. I was amused by this, where like his morning blood sugar, which always, by the way, is fine, right? Uh-huh. Uh, I wanted to repeat that, but like it might be a little higher than usual. She'll be like, well, you didn't drink a glass of water this morning. If you would have drank a glass of water this morning, then your blood sugar would be lower. And so they're always trying to game the system. Right. Anyway, but uh, back to you is uh, then I remember that then you guys went to Vancouver. Well, I always remember this story. Okay. So I should tell you back. This is another story that I, I tell often, but I don't know if I tell it on the show is. 
your mom was in the film Imitation of Life, the 1950s version, not the mm-hmm. 1930s version. Not the one with Claudette Colbert, the one with um, Lana Turner. Lana Turner, thank you. That was my and Juanita Moore, more importantly. Wanted, oh, don't even tell me twice. <clears throat> and uh, and I'd never seen the film. And then right before I went to your house, I remember my parents, it happened to be on, my parents were watching, it, it came up like Turner Classic Movies or something. And I'm like, oh, I've never right. seen this. And I sat down and I was hooked from the get-go. Okay. Uh-huh. Imitation of life. Go see it if you haven't seen it. Cause I was, so I come to this and I, at the end, I'm actually to this day when I see it, I sob. And, uh, at the end, it's yeah. a tearjerker. Yeah. yeah. And, um, <clears throat> I remember like saying, thinking, Chris doesn't know this. Nobody knows this. This needs to be in the pantheon of gay films. Right. So the next time I see you, I'm like, listen, I just saw this imitation of life. It needs to, gay guys need to know about this. And you were pretty much the equivalent of like, girl. <laughs> I was. I mean, it's that, that knowledge of that film is gaydar for mm-hmm. a certain, it like it just sets off a ping. But, but what I'm realizing now actually is that it's only for, now it's only for a certain age yeah. of, of gay person. Yeah. Um, but that's why, and I think you, we talked about this and you've been generous to say that you would have, you want to be on this episode I want to, you know what? I'm short a show for this thing I'm doing. Maybe I will do it, but um, especially since your mother's in town right now, is Girls on Film, my uh-huh. uh, my review of movies that weren't necessarily made for gay people, but gay people love. And I think that's an amazing one. Uh-huh. We, did two, we did two episodes with Sweet Michael. We did Nine to Five and Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion. But. Um, uh, but imitation, but it, to bring back sort of these gay films that like people don't remember, like Imitation mm-hmm. of Life, which by the way, that, but too, you know where it's coming with the young gays is you don't know how often I have to recommend Sunset Boulevard mm-hmm. and All About Eve, which to me, I felt those were even going to the young gays for a long time. The young people culture. You know, right now uh, on the Criterion channel, by the way, they're not a sponsor, but maybe they should be. A, a channel I pimp all the time. They have uh, a bunch of retrospectives right now that, you know, Julia and Michael subscribe to this channel. And I, Julia and mm-hmm. I, I do too. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. So have you seen the Joan Crawford retrospective and the 30 Days of Horror this week? <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't seen any movies in a yeah. long time. I, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm with you. That I have to, that's why I was mad last night is I have to force myself to see a movie because I'm so busy watching goddamn Drag Race all the time. Anyway... Mm-hmm. Uh, but you have to, you have to, have to, if anything, and honestly, it's not scary. So I think even the kids could watch it. It's Joe mm-hmm. Crawford's last feature film called Trog. Have you ever seen Trog? Oh gosh. No. It's Trog. Uh, Trog. I assume it's about a troglodyte. Yes, it is exactly that. And Joan Crawford yes. plays, uh, uh like, diff- oh, hi, Mercedes just showed up. Oh, Mercedes hey. Up, but she's also made me, um, a bagel. New from York New York, which she she his- was par baked, and she it was flown here, and she finished baking it, and I've got smoked salmon. Oh wow! Eat, please, Listen, I'm doing most of the talking. Feel free to eat. But also, by the way, do you buy into this drama about uh, the water is different in New York, and that's why the bagels are better yes. there? I do. Yes. 
is true. It's not a drama. It's just truth. Well, no, I know because there are a couple of places in L.A. in L.A. that fly the water in. Have you been to those places? Are they even? Well, close I think to that's them? irresponsible. But yeah, <laughs> I'm not saying we should do that. Seems pretty bad for the environment. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I think it's softer water in New York or harder. Mm. I don't know. Anyway, it's. I do think it affects the pizza. Um, so, anyways, I'll, 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 let me talk about trog. Trog while. Delicious. Yeah, let me talk about trog while you're doing this. Is mm. so in this film. It's awful. It is awful because there's a part at the beginning. I was sort of like waiting for it. There's a part where it says Trog designed and created by such and such a person. I'm like, oh, what is this costume? It literally is a party city caveman costume on a man with a crappy mm-hmm. mask, right? It's not, there's, it's zero percent scary. Athena and, uh, Paolo could mm-hmm. watch this and be sleep completely contently, right? Well, you'd be surprised what scares kids. I mean, Joan Crawford might scare kids. That's true. Yeah. So anyway, so Joan Crawford is wearing, by the way, fierce pantsuits throughout this entire thing. But my favorite part was, I need to find a way to turn it into a GIF, is the troglodyte is now just, there's TV there's TV cameras everywhere, and he's, you know, ah, picking up the TV camera, and everyone's running mm-hmm. in fright and throwing it. Mm-hmm. She very calmly walks to her car, and I I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I can capture this in words, She's just in a fierce, like, you know, like, I don't know, purple pantsuit. She walks her car with, with like a weird half smile on her face because she's so excited that she's seen the troglodyte. Walks her car, mm-hmm. grabs, and very calmly grabs a shotgun. <laughs> and she takes, brought her own. Yeah, brought that. her own shotgun. And she's kind of half smiling when she does this and loads uh, tranquilizer darts into it. And then she just continues to start shooting the troglodyte. And oh, wow. also, she has to go through caves sometimes and find him because he runs away. And she's wearing, like, fierce pantsuits in these caves and whatnot it the movie (laughs) is so silly how did joan crawford end up in this movie was she short on funds it's so funny it's funny that you say that yeah i want to be in a movie i think she wanted yeah she was short on funds she wanted to be in a movie and also i guess this is because a british film is i was reading all about it i'm sort of fascinated by this movie is uh the I guess at the time Joan Crawford was still just a big deal in England, and so uh, they were giving they were treating her like a star, and so they, they there are stories about that and whatnot. And um, <laughs> Joan, I've got a new picture for you. But you know what's weird? Trog. Yeah, you're gonna. Well, she, she had just she had done a film earlier. You know what's funny? Trog made a lot of money, but. Um, she had done a film earlier with this guy with another horror film. But, you know, um, you can't deny it. And Julie and I were talking about this. Even in Trog, you're like. Buffo Trog's office. Joan Crawford, you're like, oh, that's a movie star. I mean, it, it feels like it, that's what's fear. It, there's, there's this movie star, old movie star in this little film. But also there's a, a Joan Crawford retrospective. Uh, right now on the Criterion channel and you go through the old, especially her older films, you're like, this was a major, major movie star. Right. And, and you forget that because she's such a caricature in her later life. <clears throat> right. And because Mommy Dearest kind of uh, tilted the playing field so much. Yeah. That you forget what a major, major star she was. And mm-hmm. so anyway, Trog, I highly recommend it. The, the, the seventies of horror, the horror thing has been so far mostly silly. I did watch this amazing film. It's not even very good. I had never seen it, but the atmosphere-wise, and I, I guess I was reading about it, it was very influential atmosphere-wise. Have you seen Let's Scare So-and-So to Death? 
to death. I've heard about Jessica. It Let's scare Jessica to death. It's a dumb movie, but the atmosphere is fantastic. But I was like, oh, um, the, but they have that on there. They Haven't have, you wanted to remake this? Who did? Or somebody does. Somebody talked to me about remaking it. Let's scare Jessica. No, no. It, the, unless you completely change. Well, you know, if you change the ending, maybe. Um, but uh, but the ending is so stupid. It's one of these things where, like, they have an hour and 20 minutes of this great atmosphere. There's dread. Something's happening. And then the last mm-hmm. few minutes are like, oh, it's vampires. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, but you know what's funny is I was thinking I wouldn't know how to do this. How, how come no one does, not even Tarantino, how do you get that weird early 70s film look? Are you mm-hmm. able to, like, do. Well, pro- um, I don't think the answer is necessarily very fun, but <clears throat> it's probably 16 millimeter. Right, so it's grainier. Yeah, it's grainy. Yeah, and you can get that effect, but uh, you you can do it. I don't think uh, I don't think I think Tarantino is too much too interested in things actually looking good in the long run. Mm -hmm. uh, He might he might do it within his films, right? Mm -hmm. There's a sort of sixteen millimeter effect, Mm -hmm. but um, and I can explain why. But believe it or not, I know you think it'd be boring. People would be interested in this, and um, okay. Well, what you used to have on film, uh, be, everything's digital now, right? Okay, yeah. but but uh, 35 millimeter is the size of the negative mm-hmm. on the diagonal, right? Um, and so obviously, the, and 16 millimeter would be a smaller film negative that, that the image is going to. And so when you blow it up to the gigantic dimensions of a screen, mm-hmm. it's going to look much grainier and kind of jankier um, coming from a 16 millimeter uh print than from mm-hmm. a 35 millimeter print. And of course, then when you hear about 70 millimeter prints, that is even more um, high definition to use a digital term, um, which is why people advertise, oh, you get to see 70 millimeter or IMAX, which is even a bigger format, gigantic mm-hmm. format, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so it gets more and more sort of lush and sharp, uh, the bigger you get. I uh, but the one thing they used to do in the seventies, which I imagine you probably be difficult to do now because of weird guild rules and stuff like that, is I used to like that they would do the credits at the beginning. Like there'd be some yeah. like, creepy theme song. You the entire credits would run right at the top. All like, you know, I know it always amazes me when you watch a movie now, and they're like two minutes of credits where a bunch of people you don't give a crap about mm-hmm. have their day mm-hmm. <laughs> before you can even watch the movie. Yeah. That is, you wouldn't do that. Actually, the last movie I directed, I, I did. Um, Credits, credits ahead of time, yeah, because it was kind of in some ways retro. Um, so we had a credit sequence, which I w- normally wouldn't have at all in a movie I'd make. Because oh, really? I just wanted, let's, get, let's get to it. Let's get right into it. Oh, I see. I like that. There would be like this but creepy it, song playing. That like this, you see, yeah, like old it. movies used to have like hair designs <laughs> by like I mean, one word name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was almost... being sort of a scripted. Like, <laughs> yeah, nobody else is like that. <laughs> I would have loved to be. Well, I was I was talking this in another show about. I have a new theory. I don't remember why this came up, but I was saying that the if you want to become friends, if you're a gay person who wants to become friends with celebrities, like get the, in the inner circle, be one of those people. And I have this new theory. I should probably try it out. I feel that if you just show up to places, obviously to get to a place where you're where celebrities just sort of hang out casually. But if you just show up, like if I showed up in a caftan and like sunglasses and like a big thing on my head, mm-hmm. I feel like celebrities like to collect people like menageries. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So I think if you're one of those, like if I showed up in like, you know, dress like Otho from Beetlejuice or something, or like uh-huh. just outlandish gay person, uh-huh. people would be like, they would be like, I want to be, I want to have that person. I mean, I want that person to right. be around me. I, I, I was thinking like, I was, if I just outlandishly, uh, it would I'll be a good way to take a shot. I mean, I think, but I think you'd also need the sort of Joe Batanz, um <clears throat> kind of thing to be going on as well. Oh. I think just looking curious wouldn't wouldn't cut it. You need you need charm. You just reminded me here. I think I've realized here. Now I want to wait, hit you away on this and tell a story that you're tangentially related to. I've noticed over the past week, actually, I've said this before. I don't know if I've shared this with you. Where I think my dad is on the spectrum. I think he's spectral. Mm. You know, just things that he does that I think, you know, he's obviously very high functioning, but and I think you'd have to know him to know this, but I think he's on the spectrum. And I often mm-hmm. actually when he's being very frustrated, I think about that and I just try and forgive him. I'm like, okay, this is just the autism, you know, whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think to even prove my point more, I think it's like come down to me in a very light way as well. Like more like Joe Batanz with a side of autism in mm-hmm. that. You know my my uh, my friend Mike Lawson, who I do catching up with, has quit the show. We're still friends, still friends, right? But it the sort of the uh, MacGuffin, if you will, to it was he, <laughs> he. We were supposed to record the show that evening, and he texted me, and he was like, "I'm feeling very ill." Well, no, no. First, I said, "Are we still on for today?" And he's like, "Oh, I thought we had rescheduled." He's like, "Oh, actually, anyway, let's." No, I, yeah, I'm not feeling well. And Mm -hmm. I was like, "Oh, well, let me." In my brain, I was trying to be nice and be like, "Let me find Mm -hmm. a sub for you. Don't sweat it." But he had told me in a subsequent text message that he was suspicious that he had coronavirus, and I was still focused on getting him a sub. You know, and I talked about it later with him, and then. So there was that. Uh, and he wanted you to be all about his potential coronavirus. Yeah, and I was worried about getting a sub for the thing. Then, yesterday, my friend, another sh- cohort, co-host, if you will, said her grandfather had gotten coronavirus. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that, and blah, 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 blah. Can I put a slight pause in Yeah, this? yeah, yeah, yeah. This is great podcasting. Uh, Paolo desperately needs the charger for his Nintendo Switch. It's, it's a kind of an ongoing Nintendo Switch runner. But let me tell you this. I just learned this from my brother. I think you have an iPad Pro, right? Mm-hmm. The charger for the iPad Pro also charges the Switch. What? Mm-hmm. I learned this from my niece. Really? Hold on. All right. Uh, just a moment, please. No worries. Okay. Charger Gate 2020. By the way, I just this just came out from... Not, this is not a sponsor. <clears throat> Um, I, I subscribe to this magazine, Milk Street, mm. cooking magazine, and they're kind of like, do you know America's Texas or Cooks Illustrated? I do. It's the with same the, founder, but now he left and then he founded Milk Street, which sort of be the same thing. But oh, is this the my, guy with the, the guy with the bow tie? Yeah, right here. Look, see? Uh, oh, there he is. Yeah. And it, now Milk Street seems to be sort of, uh, sort of like concerned with, um, more international foods, like the Cooks Illustrated international foods. So they just made this mm. one called Cookish. And it's but the reason I laugh about it, it kind of reminds me of Autolenghi, and it's just like big flavors in minutes. And it's just no more than six ingredients, which they're not lying, right? 
And it, you can throw it together. It's sort of the Christopher yeah. Kimball has always yeah. seemed like maybe the whitest human being. Yeah, exactly. In the universe. He but now white. he's going Mediterranean a bit. Yeah. And so cookish, you just throw it together, which all of this is true, right? All I've been flipping through and the recipes look fantastic and everything I've ever made uh-huh. from there is amazing. And it is more international, not boring American food, right? But there is a thing where you're right. It is six agreements, but this is where he's auto lenging us is right. one of them might be it's like, always like, uh, pomegranate. Make molasses from your pomegranate. <laughs> well, close. Like uh, a tablespoon of tamarind paste, and you're like, I don't have tamarind paste it's sitting around my house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. I, I have encountered this with uh, Otto Lange has a new cookbook out, and I've, I've looked at some of them. It offers a lot, all looks beautiful, but it is definitely like um, yeah. gloomy. Well, the lucky thing I am with Otto Lange is I happen to have down the street a Middle Eastern supermarket, so I just like, oh, okay, yeah. I'll just go get my orange blossom water that for some reason you need. For this, anyway. That's right. <clears throat> so, so then Lori says her grandfather has coronavirus, and I go, "Oh, I'm so sorry." Blah 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 blah. And then the next day, I was about to text her. So, when are we doing the show? And I had to go. Wait, hold on. This is a human being. You care mm-hmm. about her. You have to do th- okay. So you have to say talk to her about her grandfather. But then also, I have another co-host where he was talking to me, and he was like, "Oh, so my dad. We were supposed to record on Monday," and he goes. My dad's in from out of town. Um, can can we do it earlier? And I was like, oh, yeah, we can just do it earlier, blah, 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 blah. And then later I realized, wait a minute. He would be nice. You can postpone the show. Oh, so you're saying, oh, should I? So have I said, don't pick up oh, on those little verbal time. cues. I don't pick up on those little verbal cues. And so that reminded me of you recommended for Drag Race UK, uh, the son of a friend of yours. Right? Mm-hmm. My godson, in fact, yes. Oh, he's your godson. I didn't know that. You recommended your godson. And he was very nice. But then he was talking to me. And I didn't pick up on the fact that that story came to me because I started thinking about how this happens in my life. That he was saying no, but in a very mm-hmm. British way. And I think this is where I'm very mm-hmm. American and Aspie. And well, the, this is the thing. Is, no, I'm not sure it's even Asperger's. I, mean, I think the English are that way. It's, it's, uh, you know, the English are, are a lot more like the Japanese than we like to think. Where yeah. like you don't really ever quite get a straight no or, mm-hmm. or a completely straight answer. Um, uh, it's been it's been remarked upon. I think. Okay, because yeah, I, I just remember with him, he was kept throwing these curveballs, and I and because the the flex, the timing was flexible with Drag Race, you kept saying like, okay, well, we can do Saturdays at three. Oh, you just kept on making it difficult, and you weren't. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I'd love to go on a date with you. Could we do it at four in the morning? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so, well, you know, but, you know, to relate it back to you is I will say of all my friends, I think there, and maybe there is that British side of you, because people should know you spent a sure. considerable amount of your, uh, you know, emerging, um, uh, going into adulthood in England. Mm-hmm. And so maybe you have a bit of that. And it's, oh, yeah. it feels sometimes, not anymore, not anymore, to be honest with you. Now it's just like, ugh, whatever. But I felt like early on in our friendship, I was found myself always in these shame spirals of, did I say <laughs> this or did I say that or did what did I do wrong or what you know? Like what? What's a? Can you remember any particular change? No, I don't remember anymore. I remember. I just remember there was always like I would see you in Mercedes, and then afterwards on the way. I also think I've changed fundamentally. I've become more aware of myself emotionally. So I think now you know. I think I read the Untethered Soul, and so I've learned to quiet that voice in my head. It, you know, all of this was pre 
Marianne Williamson pre New Agey spiritual things. And so I didn't, mm-hmm. I don't think I knew myself that well. I think at the time I was just very, just my ego was taking control. So like I would mm. leave, you know, some sort of interaction with you and Mercedes and I'd be like, and it wasn't just you guys, but you guys, but I think this is where you and I, again, it's changed now by the time. I think you're just a very play your cards close to the vest kind of person. Yes. And, uh, I'm one of these people that needs just, uh, validation immediately. I mean, even the, even the listeners, they've seen me throw tantrums, you know, where, because there's this thing called discord, which is a messaging board, right? Yes. And if I go on there and I don't see enough love about me, I'm like, mm-hmm. Oh, why do I even do this? What is the point of this? No one cares about what I do. And mm-hmm. like that. so they're even used to it. It's like, I need, look, it comes from the stand. You know, it's, it's a very odd world. I think you're used to it. Cause in film, you're used to sort of somewhat silence a bit, but like when you're a stand up comic, there's instant validation. If the joke works, right. there's laughter. Where in right. I've had to learn with this or anything else. Like I put it out there and people might be thoroughly enjoying it, but I just don't hear. Well, I guess the Yeah, eventually, you know, the, the ideal is that you could have you could make a podcast that you made just for its own satisfaction and you would never check whether anybody ever heard it. I mean that's like <clears throat> say working in film, you do get a delayed response, but it's so expensive. This is just, for instance, not to always like go back to movies, but like I think, well, I would love to make a movie as though I didn't care if anybody ever saw it, because that would probably be the truest thing that I'd done, and, and mm-hmm. it's actually sort of corrupting to pay attention to um, sort of a market or like what people are going to think of you. Um, but going back to uh, stuff about my playing my cards close to my chest, I think I used to be a lot more outgoing in my sort of twenties, and and I found. And obviously, I probably not not the least because I used to drink more, right? And I, I when I look back on my twenties, I think, oh, at the time I thought I was charming, but actually I was probably just drunk. Um, and so I think I spent a lot of time sort of aiming for power in conversations, or to sort of dominate conversations, or um, steering things in certain ways. And I've sort of gradually learned to back off from that and just try to uh, uh, listen. Listen as much as I talk. It's been a, it's been a journey. But I, 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 as far as I've known you, you've always been more of a listener. And I, in fact, at going back to an early time when you guys came back, where like I, this used to be the case a lot more. I think since you have the kids now, things have changed. But when when Sebastian was very young, and uh, and so you were you and Mercedes were still essentially just it's just a couple with a small child. And yeah. there was a time we, we would talk about this where I would show up as I usually do for some sort of dinner and there would be a person who would just break down in tears uh, uh, regularly. It'd be some new person who was there and they would just break down into tears at the, at <laughs> yeah, the dinner was- table. <laughs> yeah. I can think of several people that we're not going to drag mm-hmm. their name through this, but like who would just all of a sudden burst into tears and start confessing these things, often apologizing to me you know, that they were putting me through this, but I was like, no, this is why I come to these things. And, um, <laughs> And I think it's because you and Mercedes have this remarkable power of listening, which I think is a good quality. Well, I think Mercedes definitely has that, where she really, really engages deeply with people. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm actually just sending her a message about this delicious um, bagel she gave me. Mm -hmm. 
I love you, the bagel is so good. Okay. <laughs> that was my listening. Um, and, um, and I do, um, I think, uh, I think I learned from certain teachers I had, um, about the power of just sort of being present as opposed to trying to fix things. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why I've gotten suddenly so, uh, reflective, no. uh, emotionally, but, um, but kind of bearing witness, uh, and, and yeah, I'm, I'm trying to, to be better at that than just sort of, because I think normally I'm kind of the guy who like, you know, when, you, when you're telling your dreams to somebody, you're really just waiting for them to get done with their stupid dreams so you can tell them your amazing dream. Uh, like for a long time, conversation was like that for me. Well, but you know, what's so funny, this reminds me of a fairly recent event, actually, that I remember stuck with me. Cause I remember it, yeah, this is actually a perfect example of 15 years ago, I would have written you some sort of shame spiraled email about this. But at the time I was like, meh, we're different is a friend of ours was, and I wonder if you'll pick up, you might remember this. A friend of ours was giving his version of uh, a very um, dramatic event in his life that we knew the other side, but not his side. Mm-hmm. And uh, he actually, what's funny, I, I've actually talked about it a great deal with um, somebody else that we know. And uh, and and sort of unpacked it, but there was a moment when uh, this person uh, just spontaneously started talking about his side of this event. I, I think you're picking up what I'm talking about, right? I don't think so. No. All right, let me write down the time stamp. Come and edit this out. Anyway, so he just I could I remember thinking at the time that there was this, but there was this uh, a thing he wanted to talk about, and. Uh, he went into it and I was very like, go on, right? Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. you stopped him and you said, uh, you know, blankety bank person, you know, you don't have to go through this chapter and verse, which by the way, I'd never heard that phrase before. And now I hear it everywhere. You know, you don't have to go through this chapter and verse. And he was like, no, 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 no. I really want to. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I remember you were like, don't let Joe make you go through this chapter. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, but what's funny is I think, I think he knew this was the thing. And this was a very cathartic thing he had to go right. through that. This was something he needed to go through, but this is how you and I are very similar, different is that I would be like, I let them happen. Like, go on, yeah. spill your guts here. And you're very like, stop, cut. No, I don't want to. This it is may uncomfortable have been as simple as like, I just wanted to. Go make a cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember, uh, you know, oh God, I'll just, I just have to bleep a bunch of names here. Was there too, and I remember pulling me aside and telling me that that been wanting to talk about this. And, oh, I see. And well, so, the, the 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 other complication was that you know I'm, I'm close friends with the, the person yeah. of whom he was speaking as yeah. well, and maybe. You know, it's funny. Like, there's certain certain bits of knowledge about people that I don't want to have. Yeah. In a way, because I don't. Um, you know. You know, it's funny that you say that. I'll say this. I know exactly what you mean, and there have been people who've told me things about people that a it, um, I'm like I don't want to know that about that person, mm-hmm. and b it makes me think less of that person for telling me. 
Right. I mean, I think eventually if you got to a totally godlike perspective of knowing everything about that person, everything would make sense and, um, and you would be able to sort of experience them as a whole human being with love and acceptance. But sometimes people reveal things about themselves that haven't been balanced by that full knowledge. And you're like, ugh, man. Like, this was like a, a, a pleasant acquaintance, and now I'm kind of, now it's been a bit imbalanced by... Well, you know, kind of- one of the, again, going back to us, one of the biggest regrets, so to speak, I just thought of one, actually. I just thought of one. This is early on, um, where, again, it's like 15 years ago, Melissa McQueen had told me this story about Patton Oswalt, how he was mean to her or something like that, right? Mm. And you would just become friends with Patton Oswalt, and I just fucking stuck my sense, two cents, and I don't know why, and I was like, ah, oh, mm-hmm. he's a horrible person, blah, 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 because that's very, I think that's something Mercedes and I both have, even though in different ways, I think, mm-hmm. in that, like, if someone tells me someone was mean to them, I immediately become their biggest, like, oh, well, that, fuck that guy, you know, especially mm-hmm. if you don't know. Sure. Yes. And so I told you, and I remember you were upset with me. You were just like, ugh. I'm becoming like, friends I with this person. I didn't want to hear that. Yeah. That yeah. Sense. But what's funny is then, and then I remember feeling this guilt. I'm like, oh, why did I fucking say anything? And then what's even more annoying was then, like, maybe three years later, I don't know, years later, I'm talking to Melissa, and she's like, oh, Patton Oswald and I were bubbity, bitty, 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 And I was like, wait a minute. I thought you were telling me this, how he's a horrible person. He's like, oh, no, that was just me. I was just all up in my feelings, blah, 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 blah. And I was like. <laughs> well, that's the thing is, like, I actually think in terms of what people report about their behavior towards each other, mm-hmm. it's like it's so contextual and uh, tentative and hard to verify that I really like the jury is always out with me. I mean, not, you know, with you, like I, I, I know you enough. We are friends. Here I am. Here we are. Mm-hmm. But with a lot of people, like I, I, I'm just like, I don't know enough about that person yet to have a strong judgment. Well, uh, also, you know, also I think as I've gotten older, and I wish I would have learned this. I think you knew this a long time, but I just, I'm behind is no one is a caricature of things. You know, mm-hmm. and so like, there's no person that's purely just evil. You know, people have different experiences with different people, and it's just maybe they can be generally kind of shitty. You know, mm-hmm. but like, but for the most part, like, is anyone ever like? I mean, I'm sure that everyone. I think people think I'm. I know for a fact people think I'm shitty, right? And I don't think you think I'm shitty. You know, and so. uh I mean, there's a whole group of people who think I'm shitty. So, like, yeah, everyone's just complicated. Everyone. No one's perfectly nice. I'm sure Tom Hanks has his days where he's shitty to people, you know? And no. um, and I think sometimes there no. are times. And I, and I you bet you... Yeah. Get Tom Hanks' name out of your mouth. <laughs> and Kevin Spacey has days where he's nice to people, you know? <laughs> um, but, uh, all right, well, let's just wrap it up there. Um, Chris, thank you so much. I think I think you think this is was more boring than it was. No. Oh, no, I think I, people would love this. Did people, you know, well, let me end the show. Bye, everyone. We'll talk to you next time. That's what friends are.